So what is faith? Well, according to the internet definition, faith is the complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, what is faith in a biblical sense? Hebrews 11.1 1 has this to say about faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This means that faith is trusting God for the outcome. Essentially, faith is knowing that everything is going to be okay, even if you don't know everything is going to be okay. And sometimes something being okay doesn't exactly mean it's okay with you. It's confusing, I know, but just, just wait. You know who had a lot of faith? Joseph. He just never gave up even when things got worse. It's safe to say that a great amount of us rely heavily on our faith. But what happens when your faith lets you down? When something happens not the way you wanted it to happen, even after you've prayed constantly for things to heal or be fixed. Joseph is a great example of how to respond to such a thing. When Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers, how did he respond? Though never directly stated, Joseph kept his faith in God, no doubt. He continued to trust God regardless of the circumstances. The narrator tells us that the Lord was with Joseph and that Joseph acknowledges him. Though there was never any conversation between Joseph and God. In fact, in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, it says, The Lord was, was with Joseph, so he became successful. And his master found favor in him. So with that, Joseph never lost hope, but he was very uncomfortable with his current situation. Even through a trial of temptation with Potiphar's wife, Joseph stayed faithful to God. This is verbally expressed by Joseph in the same chapter. At the end of verse 9, Joseph says, How could then I do this great evil and sin against God? Now, what about when Joseph was framed by Potiphar's wife and thrown into jail? You know, when things got even worse. What changed in Joseph then? Not a thing. He kept believing and eventually things got much better for him. Now, what if Joseph had just given up? What would have resulted? Well, I have complete faith that this Darash would be talking about something very different. You see, faith is a powerful thing. It gives us something to trust in and power to keep going. It gives us something to believe in, something, something to fall back on. But I think we take the concept of faith and try to make it something it's not. How many times have you felt let down by your faith because you feel like your prayers weren't heard, when nothing went the way you wanted, it, wanted when, say, someone passed that you don't think should have? That is really faith in what you want to happen. But our faith is in God. Truth is, God has a plan for all of us, and we can't change that plan, nor can we change it for anybody else. When we pray, we need to remember that while it's okay to ask for our request, we need to remember that God will do what is right and good, his will. And that is where our faith lies. Faith means trusting God for the outcome. Why do we pray only when we want something? We should really take a second and think about how God might feel about the situation. While praying for what you want, remember to also pray for what God wants. Pray for his will to be done. What good is it if we can just pray all of our problems away? Pray for wisdom, understanding, guidance, patience, something that will help you in more ways than one eventually. Your faith is a powerful thing. Faith keeps us hopeful when things seem hopeless. I'll end off by reciting these two verses from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, 
and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Yeshua Messiah. Shabbat Shalom. So uh, Hanukkah is uh, tomorrow, starts tomorrow night. You know, it's always like that. When you look at a calendar and it says first day of a Jewish holiday, you always know it begins the night before. Uh, and so uh, if you look on a calendar, it, it will say Monday is the first day of Hanukkah, right? But the first candle of Hanukkah is on Sunday night. So I thought uh, we would do about eight different things uh, this morning, uh, you know, sort of explain Hanukkah, because, you know, over the course of a year, uh, new people come and people that are not really uh, aware of what the holidays are really all about. Uh, so it's important that we uh, uh, let uh, let people know and 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 also share kind of a like a, a meaning of the holiday and it does tie into what we're what we're talking about in the Book of Acts. It remains to be seen if we get that far, but we'll see. So here's a Hanukkah menorah. Okay. Oh, here. I forgot that we had this this one here. As I'm speaking the other direction. Uh, behind your back. Oh, there we go. Hi. All right. So look at this Hanukkah menorah. That's, I just want you to know, if you don't have one that looks like this, you're like, you're doing it wrong. Okay. Uh, that's, all, that's all I'm going to say right there. Okay. Uh, I brought this one, sort of, sort of a standard printout Hanukkah menorah uh, right here. Right. You can see uh, they have some things in common. Right. And so I'm, I'm going to hold this I'll put this one over here because it looks so nice, uh, but I'm going to hold this one up. All right, so here's a Hanukkah menorah. Uh, is there anyone here? No, I'm going to ask. It's okay. Uh, so here's a Hanukkah menorah. Uh, it, uh, you notice that there is uh, two candles in it. The color of the candle is totally irrelevant because that is a question you might have if you're not aware, right? The color of the candle, the size of the candle, the kind of candle that goes, you just want to make sure you have one that fits, all right? That's all that matters. Tall, short, whatever, okay? There, doesn't matter. All right, what does matter is, is that it has nine places for lights. That makes it a Hanukkah menorah. That's called a Hanukkiah. That's what it's called in Hebrew. A menorah is just like a candelabra, you know, like you could have a Shabbat menorah. But the word has kind of been, uh, you know, uh, taken to mean a Hanukkah. A menorah, candelabra, whatever term you want to use. All right? So it has to have nine, and one of them has to be a little bit bigger than the others. So can you see that on this one? The middle one is a little bit bigger. See here, the middle one is, is, is way bigger. You can really see it on here. Sometimes you'll get a Hanukkah menorah where it's on the end, not the end of the world. Doesn't do, does, doesn't do us in our illustration of Messiah Yeshua 1 and Messiah very well, but that's okay. Hanukkah menorahs aren't created uh, in order to uh, tell us that necessarily. So sometimes you have the big one at the end, okay? But usually it's in the middle, okay? And that has a name, the one in the middle. It's called the Shamish candle, the Shamish candle. And it means like servant candle, servant candle, okay? And that is a term even that we use here for like Shamish, Shamashim, board of Shamashim, right? Uh, uh, the servant candle, Okay. So you always put in this candle, you, put, you want to make sure every night, starting with the first night, you have a candle here, right? But the first night, we put one candle over here. So it's all the way on the right, 
all right? And what we do is when we light them, we light the shamish candle, okay? We light this candle, and then we take out this candle. I'm afraid to take it out. I won't be able to get it back in. But sometimes we have to live on the edge, okay? So we, we light this candle, and then we light this candle with the shamish candle, see? And then, the, so the first night, you let them burn all the way out, Ooh. okay? On night number two, you'll put another candle. You'll put two candles in. You'll put two candles in. You'll light the shamus first, okay? So you light the shamus candle, and then you light the new one first. And then you light. So you put them in right to left, but you light them left to right, okay? So that's a little bit on the uh, utility there of what's going on with the Hanukkah menorah. And of course, you know, it's the festival of lights. Uh, it is the celebration. See, I knew it. I'm just going to put it down there. It is the celebration of the dedication or the rededication, one could say, of the uh, uh, second temple after the Maccabees defeated the uh, Greco-Syrians headed by Antiochus, or as we like to call him, Antiochus, uh, Epiphanes. Uh, and, uh, and so we'll tell a little bit of the story there. But I wanted just to uh, get that out. Also, on a, we have a little table. When you walk out and you're going like toward the social hall, there's a little table. So I printed out uh, the blessings and kind of like how to light the candles. Okay? And uh, you'll have that. So if you're interested in that, if you need that, go ahead and take, take one of those. All right? So we might say, what do you say on Hanukkah? What is the holiday greeting on Hanukkah? Right? So you'll have Hanukkah Sameach, Hanukkah Sameach, right? That's a normal greeting. Chagurim uh, Sameach, right? Uh, happy Festival of Lights. <laughs> you know, you do that one. Or just good old Chag Sameach. Or my favorite, the most unique one of all, Happy Hanukkah. I don't know. We always have this desire. We've got to say it in Hebrew. Hey, Happy Hanukkah, right? Uh, my guess is, is that 9 out of 10 people that uh, in the know, 9 out of 10 people in Columbus, Ohio, this is not a Pew Research report, this is just Howard Silverman, right? 9 out of 10 Jewish people in Columbus, Ohio, if you say, Chag Sameach, Hanukkah Sameach, uh, whatever, they'll say, oh, Happy Hanukkah, okay? Just so you know, all right? There you go. Okay, so a little bit about uh, the holiday of uh, Hanukkah and what it means to us. You know, a couple of years ago, I taught a, or I don't know when it was, <laughs> I taught a, uh, an MSI mini course uh, called Hanukkah More Than a Holiday. Now, we don't have time, uh, you know, to go through all, all of that. Uh, uh, but, you know, it is kind of interesting. Hanukkah is kind of like a worldview. Uh, it's like a way of life uh, when, when you really think about the import of it. And, and really what it means. The first thing I'm going to tell you, it's not the Jewish version of Christmas. Now, most of us are aware of that, but I don't think we're really aware of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, in, in other words, you may not realize this, but Hanukkah did not actually become a big gift-giving holiday until like the beginning of the 20th century, right? Because lots of Jews moved to the United States. And so it's in December. And look at Christmas. And so Hanukkah became his big gift-giving holiday, right? Uh, but it really, it, 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 uh, 
you know, originally Purim was actually a, a more of a gift-giving holiday, but that's another story. Okay, just so you know. So uh, the holiday uh, Hanukkah, Hanukkah comes Hanukkah means dedication, right? A feast of dedication. We know in the tenth chapter of the Gospel of John, the twenty-second verse, uh, Yeshua was in Jerusalem at the feast of the dedication. It was Hanukkah, right? Uh, so that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Interesting that Hanukkah is in the Brit Chadashah. We actually read about the name of the holiday uh, in the New Covenant Scriptures. I'm going to also tell you that it is a minor holiday in in Judaism. It is a minor holiday that that you know. I uh, sometimes we we uh, if you're not part of the culture, it's hard to tell. It's like everything is the same, like Yom Kippur, Hanukkah, you you know. That Hanukkah uh, is what we refer to as a minor holiday. It's not one of the biblical uh, holidays, okay? We don't read a command to celebrate Hanukkah in the Bible, all right? It's a Jewish tradition, all right? Uh, Hanukkah, again, the word means uh, a dedication, and it was the dedication or rededication of the second temple after it had been recaptured, it had been cleansed, uh, and then ready for uh, use. Okay. Now, it is interesting that in the eighth chapter of the book of Daniel, and I'm just going to mention this, just going to mention it. In the eighth chapter of the book of Daniel, you have, uh, you know, the, the ram and the goat, the ram with two horns and the goat with one horn, right? Fortunately, the text itself tells us what these represent. Uh, and uh, we read in verse 20 of Daniel chapter 8, you can read it on your own, the ram represents the kings of Media and Persia, basically the Persian Empire. The goat represents uh, the Greeks, and the, that horn is the primary king of Greece. And we know who the primary king of Greece was, Alexander the Great, Alexander the Great. And we know that, you know, when he was 33 years old, he died and his empire was divided up into four parts. Four parts, okay? I, uh, one of those parts was Egypt. They were called Ptolemies. Ptolemies. You, you, might, you might remember that because when you were in school, you, you, you said that word and you said, why does it start with a P, right? Yeah, okay? Uh, Ptolemies. And then, I, very significantly, another of those four kingdoms were called Seleucids. Seleucids, and they were in Syria, Okay? Egypt and Syria. Of course, what's in between Egypt and Syria? Israel, right? Israel. Okay. And so uh, this is not a class on the history of Hanukkah, but just so you know basically what it was is that Antiochus Epiphanes went to Egypt basically uh, to overtake the Ptolemies. It didn't go so well. On the way back, uh, they came to Judea and pillaged Judea. Now, there's a lot more to that story. Uh, for our purposes, what we need to know is, is that it wasn't like you had, you know, in our, in our head, we kind of look at Judaism today and, and play it back over all the, uh, you know, all the years. Uh, uh, and it wasn't exactly like that. But you did have uh, uh, two kind, two groups of Jewish people, two, two thoughts among Jewish people uh, during this time. One was real traditionalists, and others 
uh, were kind of an amalgamation of Greek culture, what Alexander was trying to inculcate uh, to the masses, became known as Hellenism, right? And it was kind of a mixture of wherever you were at and uh, Greek uh, philosophy, okay? And so there was a mixture of, quote-unquote, uh, Judaism, Jewish, Jewish life, Jewish worship, uh, mixed in with uh, this uh, Greek philosophy. Uh, and you had other Jews who were traditionalists and didn't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, and, uh, and so you had uh, uh, this uh, tug-of-war of sorts, and it had to do with who was in control of the temple and so on and so forth. Well, when Antiochus Epiphanes comes in with his people, he's actually brought into the temple by the high priest. Here's the Hanukkah story you didn't know, right? Uh, he was actually brought in by the high priest, who was a Hellenist, okay? Uh, and, uh, and, and so you had a traditionalist, Mattathias, who was a priest from, a, from Modin, and you know that story, right? He and his sons, uh, the sons of Mattathias, they became known as Maccabees. They began a revolt, and they overtook uh, the, the temple uh, and control of the temple uh, from everybody, from the Hellenists, from the Syrians, uh, and they cleansed, first they recaptured it, they cleansed it, and then they dedicated it. Okay, and the celebration of Hanukkah is the dedication uh, of the uh, temple. You read about it in First and Second Maccabees, in the apocryphal books, and there's a lot of interesting information uh, about them. Uh, for the Maccabees, their desire was to be faithful to the covenant, to be faithful to be faithful to God, uh, and some very interesting uh, uh, quotes. Uh, that uh, we read in uh, uh, Maccabees uh, regarding uh, their, you know, their their motivation and 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 so on. Uh, you may be aware of the fact that you know why is Hanukkah eight days long? Well, according to the original source of what we know about Hanukkah uh, in these books, that uh, Hanukkah is eight days long because the people. When, when they rededicated the temple, they wanted to celebrate Sukkot that they had missed. And so, hence, altogether, eight days long. It's interesting that we, we know from our tradition, wait a minute, wait a minute. The oil lasted for eight days. That's the Hanukkah miracle. And what's, you know, like, like, like I like to say, the tradition has a capital T and I'm going with it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but it's... How we know about the miracle of the oil is that there's one place in the Talmud that tells us that. And, you know, and uh, it's a whole story about why does the Talmud say that uh, and, and not about, the, not about the, uh, the Sukkot thing. That's just an, in, that's an interesting development uh, that, that, that took place uh, over time. But the point is, is that it was celebrated uh, for uh, eight days, uh, and we light the Hanukkah menorah, uh, and uh, and we re and we remember that. But you know, there's more uh, to this, uh, more to this story. The story is about dedication, dedication of people 
to, uh, to, their, to what they valued, to what those Maccabees valued. Uh, Jewish identity, Jewish worship, a way of life were preserved uh, by these events of uh, these events of, of uh, Hanukkah. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, becomes quite clear in uh, when you read about it is that there was a lot of um, emphasis and value, not only on uh, being faithful to the covenant, but on being willing to die for it. But on being willing to die for it. Uh, that's why you read stories about Eliezer and Hannah and her seven sons. These are, these are stories of martyrdom. Stories of martyrdom that, that, that take place uh, at uh, Hanukkah. The Maccabees understood the need to be proactive in preserving the Jewish way of life, uh, and in their case, then of liberating uh, Jerusalem. They understood martyrdom as the way it's understood in Judaism today, Kedush Hashem, Kedush Hashem, holiness of, of the name, or because they're making God's name holy or recognizing uh, that in, in, in devotion, uh, in devotion to God, in demonstrating the holiness of God by giving up life rather than uh, uh, transgressing. So the story of Hanukkah is inspirational for Jewish people. It's a, it, uh, over uh, all the millennia, it has served as an inspiration of never giving up, never giving up hope of uh, when uh, persecutors come our way, of uh, remaining faithful and doing what it takes uh, uh, to remain faithful. The early Zionists, for example, found great affinity with the self-determination uh, aspects, we might say, of, of the holiday. Liberation from oppression, protecting Jewish identity, Jewish way of life, uh, Eretz Yisrael, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and all of that. So it, it shows us just, you know, how important this holiday is. It's, it's not just some gift-giving holiday where we light candles, uh, you know, and remember that, that oil lasted for eight days. It has real meaning about real devotion to God. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, and it really raises important questions uh, for us uh, as well. Okay, so... Uh, a little bit more, I, uh, I wanted to read something very quickly. I'm, I'm just going to read one little thing. Well, I was going to read a few things, but I'm just going to read one. Uh, in 1 Maccabees chapter 2, in verse 19, now I, I know this is not, not in the Bible, but that's okay. It's, just, it's uh, uh, just helpful for us to read the original, the documents that tell us about the holiday and what was going on. Okay. So this is what Mattathias says. This tells us something about the, mo the motivation. He says, Even if all the nations that live under the rule of the king obey him and have chosen to obey his commandments, every one of them abandoning the religion of their ancestors, I and my sons and my brothers will continue to live by the covenant of our ancestors. Far be it from us to desert the law and ordinances. We will not obey the king's words by turning aside from our religion to the right or to the left. Well, pretty inspirational, I would say. Now, it goes on here. This is in 1 Maccabees chapter 2. You read a lot here. Uh, it goes on. Uh, if I was to continue reading, we'd see that 
uh, Maccabee, uh, that Mattathias, he justifies uh, uh, striking out against the priests of his day, the other priests of his day, by looking at Numbers chapter 25. It's very interesting. And Pinchas, and what Pinchas uh, uh, does when he sees this great transgression taking place at the altar. That's the shish kebab passage of the Bible, right? Okay, uh, and so he justifies that from Numbers 25. Just kind of interesting, just so you know. Uh, and, uh, and then he also justifies the revolt a little farther on down in the passage by appealing to biblical characters who were brave and fought against enemies and acted in the face of persecution uh, or assimilation. One uh, of the great lessons we learn from the Maccabees uh, for us at Hanukkah is the issue of assimilation. As Jewish people uh, and as Jewish believers in Messiah Yeshua, uh, living in North America, uh, uh, assimilation is a pretty big deal to us because when we're followers of Messiah, we're kind of living in a world that isn't Jewish as Messiah followers, right? And then, uh, and, and so there's maintaining that Jewish identity. And then we end up with lots of people who think they're Jewish or want to be Jewish or call themselves Jewish. And, and then we're like assimilating in our own community, right? I would venture that many of us have probably never thought of that, right? But that was also an issue. So, so maintaining Jewish identity is very, very important. And Hanukkah reminds us of that. Uh, there's a calling on our lives. As Messiah followers, Yeshua is the Messiah of Israel, uh, the Messianic King of Israel. Uh, he enhances our Jewish uh, identity uh, and, uh, and, and calling. Uh, and you know, something that's very interesting that relates very much to uh, Hanukkah and devotion is all of the passages in the New Covenant where Yeshua himself, and then we see it described elsewhere, challenges us to take this trust in him and, and live with him to the very end. Uh, you know, for example, uh, you read like in the uh, Gospel of John, uh, in the uh, 10th chapter, right? He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, right? And you know that all of the passages where uh, we are called uh, to lay down our lives. Uh, you know, when, when he talks about bearing the cross, it doesn't mean like having a hangnail and I'm going to be okay with that, you know, or uh, having some unmet expectation or something. He means, are you willing to die? Are you willing to die? Are we willing uh, to go all the way with Yeshua, no matter what it means, whether it means a loss of reputation, uh, a loss of, uh, of, of um, uh, you know, friends, or uh, what is our commitment level uh, uh, to the Messiah, you know? Uh, and uh, that's why Paul could say something like, to live as Messiah and to die as gay. To live as Messiah. I don't know how many people could really say that and really mean it. To live as Messiah and to die is gain. For really, for most of us, if not all of us, the goal is to not die or to hold it off, right? You know, he says to live as Messiah and to die is gain. Why? Because his whole life was enveloped in 
Messiah Yeshua, you know, uh, and to live is to be identified with him, and to die is to continue to be identified with him, you see? Uh, and so uh, very much when you think about the life of Messiah himself, it is very interesting because when you think about Yeshua's life using human terms, you know, we are, are um, uh, conditioned to look at his death and simply say, Yeshua died for our sins. But if you look at his death horizontally, you say he was a martyr. He was a martyr. Here was a man who uh, was true to who he was, true to his calling, true to his words, and, uh, you know, and he demonstrated the holiness of God's name in his death. But the marvelous good news is that death could not hold him, and he rose uh, from the dead. But kind of like the Maccabees, Yeshua was willing and did indeed die for the faith. But he rose from the dead. And so when we talk about dedication, uh, a question for us to ask ourselves, are we like those uh, Maccabees? Are we, uh, when we celebrate Hanukkah, we're celebrating the courage and the bravery and the being sold out for what is true and right uh, for the faith. And when I say uh, Jewish, the Jewish values of uh, Jewish life and Jewish worship and Jewish living and the land, all of that is tied up to faith in God and covenant. Uh, as someone wrote in a recent uh, editorial in, uh, in a newspaper that's online, uh, that uh, Jewish faith is tied into the land and you cannot divorce them. Uh, uh, ask me who that was later. Okay, uh, and you cannot divorce, you cannot divorce the, the two concepts. And so Manathias and his sons were fighting for the faith. They're fighting for the land. They're fighting for Yerushalayim. They're fighting for Jewish way of life all together. And so that's why all of those things are such values to us in a Messianic Jewish community. All those things uh, are tied in together. You know, faith in Yeshua uh, it, yes, is indeed having our eyes fixed on him, but we express that in a Jewish way. That's what we're all about, you see? Uh, and so uh, in our study of uh, the book of Acts, when you come to right where we are, and this is where we'll end here, I uh, remember we, uh, we, uh, we're, we're still, we're, gonna, we're knee deep in the fourth chapter. Someday we'll get out of it. I don't know when. Okay, but uh, in these uh, speeches of uh, uh, Peter, remember what I said last week? That, that he gave these stellar speeches of how to present the good news in a Jewish way, right? And you would think that, okay, that everybody was happy and accepted it because he said it the right way. No, he ends up in prison. He ends up in jail because Yeshua will always be the stumbling stone. Yeshua uh, will always be the stumbling stone. And yes, thousands came to believe, but the Sanhedrin, the institution, was challenged. And you can listen to that from last week. Uh, uh, but what we want to talk about just for another minute here uh, is uh, what happens to them. Okay, 
Uh, so um, we, oh, here we are. In verse 17, but in order that it may not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more uh, in any, uh, to any man in this name. So remember that they, they couldn't deny the miracle that had happened. It was a real miracle. Okay, we can't deny that it happened. But they keep talking about this Yeshua's name, this Yeshua's name. And this is what they could not stand, right? Uh, uh, and, uh, and so he says, no more uh, speak in this name. Then it says in verse 18, and when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Yeshua. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you, rather than to God, you be the judge. You can decide that. But for us, this is kind of a black and white deal. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. And you know what's interesting? That in this sentence, there's this double negative. That it's, we cannot stop. We, it's imperative. We, we, we cannot not speak this way. See? Uh, and uh, so it's, it's interesting the way it is written. So, for we cannot stop speaking of what we have seen and heard. Uh, now, how important it is for us to understand that their determination was not, you're wrong and we're right. Okay? That was not their motivation. Like, to prove everybody wrong, but we're right. No. Just like the Maccabees, they were true to the covenant. receiving Yeshua, trusting in Yeshua, is to say, I believe in Moses. I believe in the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Being faithful to God to receive the Messiah of Israel is to be faithful to the God of Israel. And the only way there's restoration, the only way there's deliverance is in his Messiah. And so their motivation was one of love and desire. And nothing was going to stop them because they had this conviction uh, within them, just like the Maccabees. And so isn't it interesting that Yeshua talked about dying, dying to self, right? Uh, Not just as a metaphor, but are we willing to to go that far? And here we see uh, Peter uh, says, listen, you can decide what you want to do with us. But we are not going to stop sharing this message. See? Uh, and, uh, and actually, I uh, will continue uh, next week on that. But I will just want to give us this challenge. Uh, you know, there's three arenas, we might say, that we, uh, we live in, in terms of this challenge in knowing Messiah Yeshua. One is, the first one is, are we willing to uh, um, put everything on the line to share this message with our Jewish community without apology? Are we willing uh, to be open uh, and share Messiah Yeshua with our people? Because we recognize the absolute need to be faithful to the covenant. Our people need to know the Messiah. It's not like it would be good. It would be nice. But look. Uh, you know, uh, we don't want to make waves. Sometimes you have to make waves. And it seems that when you look at the people in the Bible, they made waves, okay? The institution wasn't going to get it, but the people 
The Am Haaretz, the people of the land, they were getting it. Very important. So we have to ask ourselves that question. Then in a larger culture, in a larger community around us, are we willing to stand up for Yeshua? Now here's the thing. In our culture, in our American culture, we like to stand up for issues, right? We like to stand up for issues, right? Uh, politics and political issues. I wish that all of us Messiah followers who are so concerned about issues were concerned about Yeshua's name being made known to people and not dragged through the mud of politics, which it is which it is. And that is, that is a great sin that needs to be repented of. Because the Maccabees were not about issues. They were about the covenant with God, making his name known. That's where change comes. You want change in, in terms of issues in our world? Change comes from within in knowing Yeshua and not legislated. Okay? That's the truth. That's the truth. So then there's a third arena. So that's number one and number two. Number three is, uh, where we can really uh, take Hanukkah home with us, is do, uh, do we have... Now, see, that might have stepped on some toes. But now I'm going to bring it in. We're all going to agree on this, right? Uh, and that is uh, Israel, the Jewish people today, uh, anti-Semitism, uh, anti-Judaism, anti-Jewish behavior is runs rampant it isn't even the top story anymore right uh, and the fact of the matter is oftentimes when it is anti-jewish if you notice it's kind of played down you know uh, and so the question then is uh, do we have in messiah yeshua do we have the motivation to stand with the jewish people to stand with israel in the face of persecution. You know, it's one thing to say, I enjoy uh, Jewish worship and Jewish holidays and, you know, stuff like that. But we're living in dangerous times, just as our ancestors did. And the question for us is, are we willing to be that dedicated to the cause of Messiah, recognizing he's the king of Israel, then we need to be concerned about Israel. Israel equals Jewish people, not only the land of Israel. Now here, see, that's preaching to the choir. Uh, and, uh, and, but that's a challenge for us. We are living in troublesome times. And so this is a real issue of what is our dedication all about? What are we really, or who are we really dedicated to? Hopefully, as we light the candles on the Hanukkah menorah, it's all about Yeshua. It's all about God. It's all about Yeshua. Remember what we said in, about Peter's speeches? Everything he talks about is Yeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua. And may we have him as the center, uh, the motivation, and the zeal of our lives so that we may indeed be a light uh, to the world. Let's pray. Lord, uh, God... Uh, Hanukkah is a great holiday, and it is a great joyful holiday of victory. And Lord, may it remind us of the ultimate victory that we have in you, Lord. And so may we indeed celebrate it and rejoice and recognize that that was an island of time 
that reminds us even of the future and of your victory. Thank you, Lord, that in the resurrection of Messiah, you have made victory. And by living in you, we live in that victory. And we can stay above the fray, even in the midst of, of tough times. And so, Lord, I pray for us today, whether we're talking about the culture or talking about the Jewish community, or even more personally, if we have personal issues, personal enemies, you know, of problems in our lives, uh, Lord, may we turn to the story of Hanukkah and to Messiah Yeshua, and may we have the determination and the zeal to be filled with the Ruach and to be empowered by you to be overcomers in whatever challenge we are facing, Lord. And so, God, uh, we thank you, Lord, that in Hanukkah, we have this great demonstration of people who uh, were dedicated to you. And thank you that in the coming of Messiah, now we're empowered by you yourself to have that kind of zeal, to be zealous for you, Lord. We thank you in Messiah's name. Amen.